Don't you love how powerful these words are that we um, sing in our worship songs? And do some of them just lodge in your heart and mind? Like the phrase, um, he was raised to, to do what? To, to overthrow the grave? Now, now, you just sang that. Do you really believe that? Just think, what is a grave? And you probably drove by a, a graveyard on the way over here to the church house this morning, but... You know, we try to dress it up with all sorts of euphemisms, but a grave, right? They're, they're going to dig a hole. And unless Jesus returns first, or perhaps you say, well, I'm just going to be cremated. Well, it's about the same thing. But, but they're going to dig a hole, and they're going to they're put your body in a box, and, and they're going to put it down in that, in that grave. That, that's, that's where we're heading, folks. Do you believe that Jesus Christ overthrew that? So we don't have to be afraid of that day, do we? We, we don't have to be afraid uh, of the grave because all that's going to be is a body. Probably be a body pretty worn out anyway, right? For those of you who are as old as me, what was that like getting it even out of bed this morning, right? I mean, you had to drag that thing out. It's about time for a new one of those, right? Well, that's what you're going to have, aren't you? Why? Because Jesus was raised to do what? To overthrow the grave. Praise God for, for that. Usually on the Sundays where I have the privilege of speaking over here or at Faith North, since you don't have an 8 o'clock service here, I generally start over at Faith East and just get to at least greet the folks coming into the 8 o'clock service. Well, here's Barb Spencer, and um, Barb's husband, Dean, um, died last week. And if I have my facts straight, I was out of town, but I believe Dean was in church two Sundays ago. And Dean, he is wearing out, no doubt about that. He had to come to church with a walker, had a lot of trouble breathing, and so even getting from point A to point B was really hard. But Dean wasn't going to let that stop him from being in church on the Lord's Day. So he'd, he'd just make his way to the, the auditorium, and they'd start early because it'd take a lot for him. He wasn't going to stop, though. And um, Dean died last week. One of the last things he said to one of his granddaughters was that, what he was trusting for his eternal destiny was um, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And um, here it is now, a week later, and who walks in but his wife, Barb, ready to worship God. It's the Lord's day. Why? Because Christ is raised. And one of the things he did was he overcame the grave. So thank you, worship team, for reminding us of important truths. And I hope when we worship together, I hope your head isn't all over the place. If you thought one second about the Rutgers game while we were worshiping today, I hope they lose. And um, <laughs> that's not true. That, that was off my notes. But, but, but right, when we're worshiping God, let's be worshiping God. Because our worship team does a marvelous job just helping us be prepared and leading us with truths that are really, really important. Hey, if you could choose somebody who would bless you in some way, if you could choose that person, what would you want that person to be like? When you pause and think about it, there's actually a number of different ways to answer that question. If you could choose the person who was going to bless you, what would you want that person to be like? For example, you might say, well, if someone's going to bless me and I got to choose them, I'd want it to be somebody who was wiser than me. Because if I was just choosing the blessing myself, I might choose something that really was more instant gratification. Well, bless me with some cotton candy. 
but, but a wise person might have a better idea of what kind of blessing would be best for me long term. So I, I think we'd all agree with that one. If I was able to choose the person who was going to give me some kind of blessing, wisdom, wisdom would be a key characteristic. No, no doubt about that, I don't think. Now, now you could also say this, but it would also have to, that, not just wise, but somebody who, who knows me well. Why is that important? Well, because a well-intended gift that doesn't truly meet a need wouldn't be much of a blessing, right? It might be wise, but if they don't know you, it might not be much of a blessing in your situation. So, for example, maybe a wise fisherman would think what you really need is an expensive rod and reel combination that'll last you the rest of your life. But, but maybe that person doesn't know you hate fishing. So, yeah, it's going to last you the rest of your life because you're, you're never going to, to use it. So you need somebody who doesn't just know life in general, but somebody who knows you individually. So, so that blessing, it really meets a, a need that, that you have. So, so now we have two. If you get to pick the person who's going to bless you, you want it to be a person who's wise. You want it to be a person who knows you individually. Now, now thirdly, at some point, we would have to talk about the matter of resources, Right? If a person came up to you this morning and you knew they had very little financial wherewithal, yet they, they, they said they wanted to provide some kind of a material blessing for you, I mean, that, that'd be kind, right, for them to do that. that that'd, be, that'd be a sweet thought, but you wouldn't expect much because there just wasn't much capacity. Well, on the other hand, if Warren Buffett or Elon Musk contacted you and said, hey, they wanted to provide something for you, that might result in an entirely different level of blessing, right? So if the question before the house this morning is, if you could choose the kind of person who would bless you, what would you want to characterize them? Wisdom, intimate knowledge, and capacity, those would rank fairly highly on the list. Well, friend, the Word of God teaches that that every follower of Jesus Christ has been blessed. That's true. That, that, that's part of our identity. It's part of our existence as redeemed children. And who is it who's doing the blessing? It's God himself. What that means is if there's been a definite time in your life where you admitted your sin and then you came to God in repentance and faith and trusted Christ as Savior and Lord... And I sure hope, I sure hope there has been, and if not, I hope you'll do that today. Here's what Scripture teaches. You're blessed. You're blessed by God Himself. With that in mind, I want to invite you to open your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, that's on page 150 of the back section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. So Ephesians chapter 1 or page 150 of the back section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. Our church's theme this year is building on our heritage. So we're celebrating our, our 60th anniversary. And in part, we're just thanking the Lord for the incredible ways that He's blessed and sustained us, along with thinking carefully about what it means to, to build on that foundation. So this year's not just our heritage, or, or it's not even celebrating our heritage, it's, it's building on our heritage. You know, God's people have always been cautioned about how we build on something. And one of the classic passages in the New Testament on that topic is 1 Corinthians 3.10, and I think this passage ought to serve us very, very well all year long. 
where Paul said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But, but listen, each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We've been singing a lot about that. But what about what happens next? If any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. Do you believe that? And I, I agree with what Warren Wearsby said. For a, for a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't fear the fire of hell, but I certainly fear the fire of heaven. I, I'm concerned about what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Because here it is, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he'll receive a reward that can in turn be cast at the feet of Christ. If any man's work is burned up, it's just like wood, hay, and straw is what you're building with. He'll suffer loss, yet he himself will be saved, yet, yet it's through fire. I think we're in a very similar situation. The Lord has blessed our church with a 60-year heritage that's quite remarkable, it's a clear testimony of His sustaining grace. But the question before the house now is, what does it look like to build on that heritage in a way that honors the Lord in the days ahead? It's a good question. It's an important question. This year we're working our way verse by verse through the great book of Ephesians. And in these early weeks, we're thinking about remembering our identity as one in Christ. That's a very important aspect of being able to build on the heritage and to build on it well. I'd like us to read the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1, just because it's such a marvelous section of Scripture. Then we're going to lock on to verse 3 this morning. So Ephesians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, hear this, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us and the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him also we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who's given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. This morning we're talking about how, how you're blessed. And with the time we have remaining, I'd like us just to focus in on verse 3 along with some other passages we're going to bring in from other places in the Word of God, looking for three reasons to give priority to developing a lifestyle that, that worships our Heavenly Father. Now, we don't normally have to do this, but I think this time we might even have to just stop and explain, what, what do you mean by that 
proposition, a lifestyle that worships our Heavenly Father. Where'd that come from? Well, we've embarked on a study of one of the longest, most beautiful, truth-packed sentences in the entire Bible. And so we plan on going pretty slowly here because of the, the richness and the importance of these concepts. John MacArthur explained it like this. In the Greek, verses 3 to 14 comprise one sentence. Imagine that. And encompass the past, present, and future of God's eternal purpose for the church. It's Paul's outline of God's master plan for salvation. That's what I just read in verses 3 to 6a. We're shown the past aspect, election. In verses 6b to 11, we're shown the present aspect, redemption. And in verses 12 to 14, we're shown the future aspect, inheritance. Within God's master plan of salvation is every believer who has or will ever trust in God and be saved. As it's sometimes expressed, history is simply the outworking of his story. That's why we've read the, the name of Jesus so many times in the text, which has already been planned and pre-written in eternity. This passage also can be divided into three sections, each of which focuses on a different person of the Trinity. Verses 3 to 6a center on the Father, verses 6b to 12 center on the Son, and verses 13 to 14 center on the Holy Spirit. Paul takes us to the very throne room of the Godhead. That's so true to show the greatness and the vastness of the blessings and treasures that belong to those who are in Jesus Christ. What, what an incredible, incredible passage. Well, 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 how does the sentence begin? We had the important introductory ideas in the first two verses, but, but this long sentence, it starts with the words, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stop for a minute and think about what, what does that mean? And how do people like you and me mirror that kind of thinking and behavior on a daily basis? In other words, how do you bless the Lord? How do I bless the Lord? How do people like you, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, maybe this quote from MacArthur will help. Such gracious truth is introduced appropriately by praise to the one who's made such provision. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from eulageo. And blessed, we get eulogy, a, a message of praise and commendation, the declaration of a person's goodness. Because no one is truly good but God, I hope you believe that. Our supreme eulogy, our supreme praise is for Him alone. Goodness is God's nature. God the Father not only does good things, He's good in a way and to a degree that no human being except His own incarnate Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, can be. Consequently, from Genesis to Revelation, godly men, recognizing the surpassing and humanly unattainable goodness of God, have proclaimed blessing upon him. And Melchizedek declared, blessed be God most high. In the last days, every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them will be heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever Nothing is more appropriate for God's people than to bless Him for His great goodness. Think about this week. Did that happen in your heart and life in some way? Nothing is more important, more appropriate for God's people than to bless Him for His great goodness in all things, whether pain, struggle, trials, frustration, opposition, adversity. We're to praise God because He's good in the midst of it all. For that we we praise and we bless Him. Now, they say, okay, how does that work practically? We're just as Paul said in verse 3, we're, we're to bless Him. Well, how does it work practically? We think about what we worship. 
So in the moments where we don't have to be concentrating on something else, our minds are going to gravitate to what's most important or what we believe is truly good. You could consider those moments many worship services. We're blessing something in our hearts and in our minds. So we think about what we worship, and then we talk about what we worship. And I don't mean that in some sort of a hyper-pious way, but, but who or what we believe is supremely good, it's going to come out in our speech, right? We, we, we bless that person, or we, we, we bless that, that object, and that makes sense because Scripture teaches us that our words proceed out of what fills our, our hearts. Then we organize our lives around what we worship. See, who or what we consider to be supremely good, that becomes a grid through which we arrange all of our blessings, all of our trials, everything in between. So, so who are we blessing is the first question that can be asked from verse 3. Here's a concrete example. Maybe this one will help. Our Christian school sports programs have been really excelling. And let me just stop there for a minute and I'm glad for everything that is happening in public schools. I'm glad for everything that's happening in home schools. So a lot of different good people are involved in all sorts of educational choices, and, and we're supporting it all. We believe God can be manifested and magnified in it all. But, but I'm just more familiar with what's going on at our school for just obvious reasons. But I, I will tell you this. When we started our school, I think it's been 27 years ago now, um, it would have never dawned on us that we would ever be in the IHSAA. It never dawned on us that we would be accredited by um, the State Department of Education and therefore be able to play um, public schools. And certainly not that we would ever be competitive. Which goes to show that oftentimes God's plans, they're just a whole lot bigger than your plans. You know that? And not just bigger, they're also a whole lot better a, a lot of times for sure. And so, so that includes our wrestling team that, that has just been doing very, very well against their public school counterparts. And so you may know a couple of weeks ago, our local paper um, did a feature article on our wrestling program. Now, now let's just pause and, and thank the Lord for that. You know, whatever you want to say about media, this church and our associate ministries would have to take this position. Our media overall has been very, very good to us over the years. Now, now we've had our, our days, we've had our days, but, but, but there's no doubt about the fact that, that right, the, the, the public secular media could, could ignore what's happening at a local Christian school. They, they could do that, but they, they certainly have not. And that the article they wrote about our wrestling team, if you saw it, it was excellent in all sorts of ways because what Coach Kuhn and Coach Olney, what they're doing, it's, just, it's really tremendous. But, but, but the, the quote that stood out to me was actually from one of our juniors, one of our wrestlers, Ethan Subrig. And it was actually fronted it in the article. That's something else I was really surprised. They didn't bury this. But, but when, the, um, when the reporter talked to Ethan, here, here's what Ethan said. He said, Coach Kuhn shows us that we're more than a team. We're a family here at Faith. And, and why? That's to represent Christ the best we can through the abilities that he has given us. Boom. And what was Ethan doing in that moment? Right, I don't know if you've ever talked to a, a reporter. That can be a bit intimidating. And what's really going on in your heart, it's going to squirt out. 
It just plumb going to squirt out. Well, what was Ethan thinking about? Well, I have a great opportunity to, to demonstrate to town, the town that I'm a hot shot wrestler. Or we're number one, or we're number one. Let's see if we can. Who was he elevating in that moment? Who was he blessing in that moment? And the answer is he's blessing Jesus Christ. He was blessing his Lord, and he nailed it. And again, if you've ever been in that situation, it can really, really be intimidating. Your words can get so garbled up. And worse than talking to a reporter is when it's on live TV. Yeah, that's when it's really bad, when they put that, that thing in the air. I mean, that is really, really intimidating. But there he is as a, as a junior in high school. Bam! Bless God. When I read that, I thought about what Jesus said, let your light shine before men. See, because who you worship, who you bless, it's gonna, it's gonna come out. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And again, I just want to be sure I said, thank the Lord for secular media that, see, they could have ignored that comment, right? They could have absolutely cut away, because it was a print article. They, they could have ignored the comment or they could have buried it. They front-ended that article with that blessing of the Lord. Praise God for doing that. But what, what I'm trying to say is that's what Paul is doing at the beginning of this wonderful sentence. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that begs a question, I think, for all of us. What or who do you tend to bless? What or who do you tend to, to worship? What, what or who do you assign the value of supreme good? Supreme good. Well, that's why the rest of this verse can, can really help us because it gives us three reasons to give priority to developing a lifestyle that worships our, our Heavenly Father. Well, why? Wait, why? Well, for one thing, because of the immaterial nature of many of His blessings to us. You see the logic of the verse. One of the reasons it's so easy for us to bless God is because of all the ways He's chosen to bless us with endowments that are their spiritual blessings. Now, now, why is that so important and why is that so helpful for us just to lock on to that word spiritual for a minute? Well, it's because we often overvalue material blessings and realities, and we, if we're not careful, we organize our lives around that. Now, now I, I don't want to overstate that, that case. We're not Greek dualists. So, so we don't believe that all matter is evil. We, we do believe that God blesses us materially too. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that. Right? That's part of the way God ha has made us. When I get home this afternoon, I I'm kind of hoping at some point in the process, my, my dear wife Chris will have something material for us to eat for lunch. You plan on doing that too? So, so if Chris, if I say, well, honey, um, what were we going to have for lunch? If she said, well, we're not going to have any material food, it's, it's because I've been reading in the Gospel of John where Jesus met with the woman at the well, and the disciples, you remember, the disciples came to him and said, Master, you need to have something to eat. And Jesus said, well, I have food that you don't know anything about. And the disciples said, well, did somebody bring him some food? And Jesus said, no, no I don't need food right now. My, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. If Chris says to me, you know, we're just not doing that lunch thing anymore. We're just going to do the, 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 the non-material. At some point, after a few days, my response will be something other than spiritual to that. So, so I, I don't want to, 
I, I, don't, I want to overstate it because it, it, Paul says this in, to Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. But he does, he, here's, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy, including lunch. We all on that? Including lunch. So we ought to enjoy the material blessings we have in Christ, but, but we surely shouldn't trust them, we shouldn't worship them, and we shouldn't organize our lives around them. Why? Why? Because we have something far better than all of that, which is what? It's the, the spiritual blessings that, that we enjoy in Christ. So what do we do with that thought? Well, followers of Christ can and should learn to emphasize and prioritize the, the spiritual nature of our existence. Do, do you agree with that? Paul said it like this to the Corinthians, a natural man, a person who doesn't know the Lord, a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Uh, they're, 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 he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. But, but he who is spiritual, are you? He appraises all things through that lens. That's what we're trying to do this morning. You may remember that Jesus tried to help his disciples understand this balance early in their ministry in Matthew 10. So they're being sent out to preach the gospel, the news of the kingdom of God. And if you know that text, it was very sobering discussion about how they would be mistreated in all sorts of ways because of their faith. And here's what Jesus said, don't fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. And I hear a verse like that and I think, now how much time did I spend this past week worrying about something that was just material? As if I didn't have any spiritual blessings in Christ. How many times did I start getting wound up? That's a euphemism for just a little bit angry about something that was just material it was just as if I didn't have any spiritual blessings in Christ. That's why Ephesians 1.3 can help us so much. Don't fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear, those, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and, and body in hell. That is wise counsel for us. Too often we get all concerned about what somebody might be able to do to some material or physical aspect of our existence. All the while, see, 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 what is that worry if it happens? That's a worship service too, but it's false worship. It's a false blessing. That, that anger, seriously? I'm going to get angry at Meyer because the checkout line isn't going as fast as my wonderful self deserves? That's a worship service too. That nasty look, at, look on my mug is a false worship service. As if I don't, I, I could be standing in that line well, this gives me some more time to reflect on all the spiritual blessings I enjoy in Christ. What a great line. I hope I never get to that checkout thing. Yeah. 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 Now, now, now I may say, oh, okay, if, if we're going to have the kind of spiritual-focused lives that, that benefit from the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, what does that start looking like practically? Well, I'm no expert. I promise you, I promise you, they did not have to put any weights on my feet this morning to keep me from levitating. Okay? I, my, my feet are like firmly on the ground. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'll just I'll give you some answers and you can do with them what you believe you should do. But, but I, I'll tell you this, one of the most precious times for me personally on a daily basis is when I sit down in a leather chair, and a lot of you have been to our house, 
There's a leather chair right next to our fireplace and just read God's Word and pray. And I try to never leave our house without just having personal devotional time. And it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to recount some of the spiritual blessings that we jo- enjoy in Christ. That's, that's where it starts. And then to pray through the day, trying to anticipate. I try to just pray through my schedule. trying to anticipate, What would walking in the Spirit look like in that meeting or in that responsibility or, or in that effort? And asking the Lord to help, help me do that. And simultaneously avoid what would walking in the flesh look like in each one of the, and try to avoid all of that. Because walking in the flesh, if I do that, it's acting as if these spiritual blessings, these spiritual realities, they're unimportant. And I would just say to you that if you don't have a, a regular time in your day where you're, you're going before the Lord and you're just trying to reset yourself spiritually and, and, and rejoice in the, the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ, I want to encourage you to do that. And maybe it would mean getting one of our service pastors or a friend to provide some kind of just accountability and all of that. But that's an important part of building on our heritage. But there's also this. There's the matter of looking to take mental breaks throughout the day where you can just reset yourself spiritually. And I realize you might say, break, what, what, what is that? I have a toddler. I mean, what, what are you talking about, break? Um, well, I, I understand everybody's schedule is different. I, I, I'm in a situation where I have a walking track within about 200 feet of my desk. That comes in really handy. And so every, every so often you'll see me just get up and, and go for a walk around the... What, what am I trying to do? Many times that's a reset spiritually. Steve, you're getting upset about something right now. You need to go take a walk. And you need to talk to the Lord. And you need to put whatever it is that you're wound up about in balance with everything that you enjoy. And is this really worth getting that wound up about? Or Steve, you're worried about something. Steve, you're getting anxious. Am I the only person in the room who ever gets there? Hmm? Really, I'm going to worry about that thing? As if, as if the spiritual realities that I have in Christ are, are, are not enough? And so perhaps for you, that would help too. Just, just looking, and I realize, well, I don't have a walking track. Well, you got, a, you got something, right? I mean, if there's ways to do a, a reset... Here's something else about it is building friendships with spiritual people. And I'm very thankful for the people in my life who can speak spiritual truth into my heart. I need them so very, very badly. Listening to spiritual music. Listen, if you're filling your head with the world's folly, don't be surprised when you're not thinking about the spiritual blessings you enjoy in Christ. That might be one of the adjustments that, that this church is not going to build on our heritage well if we've got a whole congregation of people who are filling their heads with, with the ideas of fools. That's just all there is to that. Are avoiding inputs and entertainment that would just lead to, to walking in the flesh. So, so why and how can we bless our God this morning? Well, praise God because of the, the immaterial nature of many of His blessings to us. I've been thinking a lot, I hope you have too, about um, how when our church was planted 60 years ago, 
the, the, the leaders of Casus Street Baptist Church had to emphasize the role of spiritual blessings when they launched our church at the risk of losing material blessings. You realize Casus Street was only 20 years old. They were a young church in this town. You know what would have been easiest for them? To focus all on them. My, 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 my. And we're not going to do anything that might risk my. Because you realize when you plant a church, what did you just do? You just set up a competitor, right? And not just one time. We're talking about for the last 60 years, they established, if you want to look at it that way, and maybe it impacted their financial resources, maybe it impacted them materially in some way. Do you think that stopped them 60 years ago from planting this church? Apparently not. And they still seem to be in a pretty good mood that God allowed it to happen. Why? Because they're not just focused on my, 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 my. How's this going to impact us? We might not be able to afford um, A-plus coffee if we do this. No, we're, we're talking about people who what? Who are rejoicing in the, the spiritual blessings that they possess in Jesus Christ. You know, maybe just a simple way to think about this from your perspective. Let, let's just say this. Let's say we had two doors right now, and you could only walk through one. And, and that one was more material blessings. And that one was a greater understanding of your spiritual blessings. If you could only get, go through one door, which one really juices you? Which one are you especially interested in it? Well, well secondly, praise God because of the, the comprehensive character of many of his blessings to us. Paul also says this, it's every spiritual blessing. And I would suggest to you that this anniversary, it provides a wonderful opportunity to celebrate our sufficiency in Christ. And as I said a moment ago, and I hope we'll say it over and over and over, we, we ought to honor our mother. Do you believe that? Because Sioux Street Baptist Church is our mother church. And I hope as you would see, interact with members at work or in your neighborhood or just wherever it is, I hope you'll continue just to, to, to commend Kasuth for the way that they sacrificially started us. But I believe the reason that they could do that, taking a huge step of faith, was because they believed they already had everything they needed in Christ. One of the reasons those five families that took the responsibility of being scooped out of their church and going and planting a, a brand new church and leaving everything that they had and everything that was familiar was because they, they believed they, they had everything that they needed in Jesus Christ already. Everything. It's a very important emphasis in the Scripture. So you have, for example, John 1, 15 and 16. John testified about him, John the Baptist, and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And listen to what um, John said about our Savior. For of his fullness we've all received. We, we don't have to have anything else. And grace upon grace, or John 19, 30, where Jesus said from the cross, Therefore we need to receive the sour wine. He said, It's finished. To tell us that. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Our, our Savior is absolutely sufficient. Or as Paul affirmed to the Colossians, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. I'm so glad we sang about that this morning. 
both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have, here it is, first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the, what? The fullness to dwell in Him. We have a Savior who's given us not just spiritual blessings, but every spiritual blessing that we need. As I get older, I have an increasing number of people ask me for a list of books that have been especially influential in my heart and life. I'm really getting into the whole getting older thing. There's a whole lot about it that I like. Part of the tell us the list of books that have really influenced you thing is that presupposes that I can remember back that far, right? It's like, seriously, I don't remember what I read yesterday. But, 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 But anyway, one of those books is our sufficiency in Christ. It's no surprise to anybody that I I really appreciate John MacArthur's ministry. There's no doubt about that. And he wrote a book called Our Sufficiency in Christ. Here's a couple of quotes from that book. As Christians, we live at a strata for which human wisdom cannot provide resources. That's right. Our ability to live the Christian life is from God alone. And when it comes to spiritual matters, all we need to know is revealed in God's Word and ministered to us by a spirit. We we don't need to look somewhere else. That's the point. One of the Old Testament names of God is El Shaddai, meaning the all-sufficient one. It's a name rich with meaning. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth find him adequate for every necessity of life. Do you? They don't need any supplementary experience, a stronger dose of redemption, or any spiritual or emotional accoutrements. No, God has given to every believer abundant grace that is utterly sufficient to fulfill our deepest longings, our most intense cravings, our most profound needs, every human requirement. When I was looking back for, for that quote, I was a little surprised to be reminded that book was published in 1991. And there's a sense in which that idea that, that we have all that we need in Christ, that, that has motivated a number of the ministry decisions that I've made in my time here or encouraged our church family to make. See, the, the emphasis is we, we don't have just a few spiritual blessings or a A fairly sizable number of spiritual blessings. We have everyone we need. And the upshot is learn to rejoice in those spiritual blessings. Are you doing that? Think about your last week. And I'm not saying you didn't have trouble. I understand that. But was it balanced by all of the spiritual blessings that you enjoy in Christ? Now, you might say, well, Pastor Virus, what exactly are those spiritual blessings? I'm purposely avoiding the very clear list that is enumerated later in the passage. And you might say, why are you doing that? Well, we're going to have other pastors who in subsequent weeks are going to come alongside and break down those verses for us. And having a, a preaching team of 12 to 14 people, I think that's very, very good for a church like us. But it only works, let me just let you go behind the screen for a minute. It only works if there's an agreement that everybody's going to stay off of everybody else's real estate. And I realize that might sound a little territorial when we're talking about the Bible, but, but I could really jam everybody else up who's coming if I, if I just hit everything that's coming in the next verses or, or vice versa. So there's a reason why um, we're doing what we're doing. But, but in general terms, when, when, when Paul says that, that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, what, what kind of things should we be thinking about? Well, I would encourage you to think about it here first, a plan for us from eternity past. 
In other words, please don't think about your spiritual blessings simply in terms of what's occurring during your natural life, because the passage that we're going to study next week places significant emphasis on the doctrine of election. And and I realize that can be controversial in some places. That's not controversial here. Because it's clearly, you saw it multiple times in this passage of Scripture, and we're not afraid of of, um, proclaiming all of the Word of God. I do have a friend, this happened a number of years ago, but I have a friend in in another state. He was an associate pastor. He preached on Ephesians 1-4 on Sunday, and he was fired on Monday. Some people, they just don't want to hear what the Word of God says on, on certain topics. But as our pastors will explain next week, nothing to be afraid of or upset over. An important aspect of your salvation story is that God entered into a loving relationship with you before the foundation of the world. That's what the word foreknowledge means. Not that, well, God looked down the corridors of time to determine who would eventually choose Christ and then chose them. No, no, no. Spiritually dead people don't make choices like that. And one of our bread and butter passages around here is Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for them he foreknew, meaning entered into a loving relationship with before the foundation of time. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. And I just want to encourage you to pause and ponder that particular spiritual blessing that before the foundation of the world, the God of heaven and earth, by the way, fully aware of all of your failures and weaknesses, past, present, and future, desired to have a personal relationship with you by name. That's a spiritual blessing, my friends. Also new life in him, therefore we've been buried with him, Paul said, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the the newness of life. We're not a perfect group of people by any means, but there's a lot of good people here. Why? Because of the life-changing nature of the gospel and the spiritual blessings we enjoy in Christ. Another blessing is the indwelling spirit of our God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? You've been bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God. With What a blessing to have the Holy Spirit of God resident inside of us or the, the privilege of prayer. And my Father is glorified that by this, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Abide in my love. The, the privilege of being able to go to him in prayer. How did this campus come to be? Humanly speaking, in a lot of ways, those of you who are here at that time, you know, praying, 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 praying. What a privilege to be able to do that. Access to and ability to understand God's Word. And I understand that this particular passage had some particular application to the apostles, but the general truth certainly applies to all of us. The spiritual blessing of being able to understand and apply the Word of God Is there any doubt in your mind that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing? And by the way, I realize I may be talking to someone this morning and you would say, well, in my case, I don't have those spiritual blessings yet because I've not yet trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. I'll tell you, I've given you a lot of reason to make that decision today. Like today, God is a redeeming God and He wants to have a personal relationship with you. And if you don't know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven 
I'd encourage you right here, right now. And there's not some magical formula, but something along the lines of, Father, I know I'm a sinner and I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And what Scripture teaches is literally hundreds of things would happen to you the moment you made that decision. And one of them is you'd be living right in the middle of Ephesians 1-3. You would have access to every spiritual blessing there is in Christ. Is there any doubt in your mind that God has blessed this church with a few spiritual blessings? No, every, <laughs> we are a blessed people. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Lastly, praise God because of the divine location of many of his blessings. Where are they? They're in the heavenly places in Christ. That's why they've sustained our church family for 60 years. You know, we've had a few attacks over the years. You know that? Not everybody loves the fact that we're a Bible-believing church, and we don't have the desire to force that on anybody, but, but not everybody loves it. Well, could those attacks ever be successful? Of course not. Why? Because our blessings are not located on earth. They're locked away. And they're secure in heavenly places, and they're grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's why this anniversary can remind us, set our minds on, on things above. I think maybe a good way to conclude all of this is this application Here's how Paul said it to the Colossians. He said, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things which are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above. That's what I'm trying to do right now, is just help us reset our hearts and minds to whatever degree they need to be on the every spiritual blessing we have in Christ and the desire we would have to bless Him because that's true. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is our life is revealed, then also you'll be revealed with Him in glory. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. If you have every spiritual blessing, what are you so wound up about? To which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. What are we complaining about if we have all these spiritual blessings? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. I was um, recently in the Dominican Republic. By the way, it was pretty cold here when I was there. I hope you prayed for me. I'll tell you, in the afternoon, those beads of sweat on my brow, that was pretty rough. But, but I was there for a number of reasons, but one of them was to, to be with our dear friends who have a, a wonderful orphanage. And um, here's a picture of them. They, by God's grace, have been able to build a Christian school. So um, this Christian school is on the same campus as their orphanage. That orphanage is capable of serving up to 200 children. I want you to look at those kids. And most of them are placed in the orphanage because they were taken out of their homes by the government due to violence. So it's either because one or both parents are in jail or because there's been some kind of abuse or violence. And, and, and so you have these little kids who are learning a, a, about Christ. You want to scoop them all up and bring them home with you. I mean, they're, they're just... Look at those faces. Look at those faces. Um, th- th- it takes a long time to get down to school because the staff is coming the other way. They, they, many of them live on the left side of the road, and so everybody has to get a hug, multiple hugs <laughs> as they're going off to, to school. Look at those faces. Look, look at those smiles. Now, those kids are in an orphanage. What in the world are they smiling about? 
what are they what are they smiling about you may know that we have um, a relationship with them where two of the young men who grew up in that orphanage they're now seniors at faith christian school and so we're we're trying to have I, i i can't promise that but we're hoping that we'll have a relationship with them where they'll just be bringing um, seniors from their orphanage to do their senior year here at Faith. Because if a young person in that culture can speak English, it completely um, impacts their ability to um, have a sustainable job. And um, so so we absolutely love that. Now, I'm not going to do it this morning, but um, if I told you their stories, they'd just break your hearts. Break your hearts. But some of you have seen, you're around our school, and you've seen Wesley and Emilio. And um, they're smiling young men. They're happy young men. You want to know why? You realize, they, they know Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. Compare them to you. You know what that means? They got everything you got. Do you believe that? Spiritually speaking, they have access to every blessing in Jesus. And somebody started an orphanage in the DR to serve those young people, but most importantly, to tell them about Jesus. And those young people have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, as God has given them joy. Hard life, but joy in the midst of it because they can bless God that they've received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, we can, we can get busy worrying and get busy becoming anxious, angry over just material foolishness, t- temporal matters. And Lord, thank you for Ephesians 1.3. And I, I pray that you would help us to reset to whatever degree we need to. And then to find ways for that to become more of our, our practical identity, that, that, the way that, that we live. And Lord, thank you for what Jesus has done to make that possible. We pray this in his name. Amen.